Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. If you could leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, it goes a long way. It helps other people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, let's get to today's episode. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Okay, I'm going to do a setup and an intro in a second, but let me just start off with a... I'm going to bring the fire this morning. How much money do you make a year? Just right, right out of the, right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the gate. Let's give the listeners some fire, and then we'll break, we'll break it down and do a setup. All right. I'm going to say, you know, in 2022, it's looking like, you know, the year's not done. I'm optimistic about the last week because I do a lot of sales and stuff, but I would say, you know, 260 to 270K. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. 260, 270. And you're, you're a one man show. I am a one man show. All right. So here's the setup. This is a good friend of mine. You guys know him as Dividend John or Johnny Boy on Twitter. What's your handle? Johnny Boy 1853. So go follow Johnny Boy 1853. Just come out with a book. What's the book called? The book is Too Rich to Be Stressed Freedom with Dividend Investing. And in case this ever goes to some video, you'll be able to see this beautiful picture. It's on Amazon. It's five star reviews only. Just launched recently, early December, and a lot of, lot of awesome feedback, both on Twitter and Amazon. All right. So I'm going to do a setup now. So Dividend John is a good friend of mine. I've known him for... God, it goes back maybe 20 years. Kind of a funny story how we met, how we lost touch, how we reunited. And probably about 5 years ago, he and I got to talking just about money one day. And next thing I know, we're much closer and we're texting every day. And really, where we bonded was I realized, Oh, you're kind of like a business money nerd like I am. And I don't find a lot of people like me that I can talk to in the way I talk to you and and you know sort of the same I guess on your part and so we started back in the early days talking about stocks and options and where you're putting your money and how you're making more money and then it got to side hustles and I come from an entrepreneurial background and you come from sort of a 9 to 5 background but you were sort of moving into the entrepreneurial world and I remember one day we were talking about we were at a, dinner, a breakfast thing and we're talking one day about this new tutoring business you were working on and so I remember sort of the evolution over the years of uh, sort of how we uh, got close. And then I guess it was about a year ago, you told me that you were writing this book. Was it about a year ago that that entered your mind? It entered my mind. The genesis of the idea entered my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have this kind of other personality, which is Dividend John. And so, yeah, I said, listen, I got this podcast making it. You got to come on and you got to tell your story because it's it's totally different from the stuff that we normally talk about in a few ways. A, you have this alter ego, which is which you're able to use to be very public about stuff that you wouldn't normally talk about if your identity was disclosed. And you're really helping people out. So why don't you just give me a quick minute on the on the dividend piece? We'll break that down and then we'll go into the other parts of the pie and how you're building this amazing financial life for yourself. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, I'll just tell you that like I as a 9 to fiver starting out my career was never a big earner, right? So to be able to sort of learn from the greats, be it Warren Buffett, his teacher Ben Graham, the intelligent investor was a book that I read years ago and to be able to, you know, have the discipline to do the boring 
10 to 20% savings of, you know, to come off my income, have it automatically transferred to a brokerage account, systematizing it by the 30th day of every single month, buying dividend stocks that, you know, I, I well researched to make sure that they were growing their earnings per share every single year, growing their dividend payouts, growing their, yeah, growing the dividends on a, you know, I'd say five to 10% annual basis to sort of see the, the health and profit of the company. I did this in a very boring McDonald's system kind of way where I say, you know, McDonald's has a system and process that works where they could literally, you know, some guy could quit on them on, on Tuesday, can throw someone in on, on Wednesday. And because the systems and processes are in place, it's a seamless transition. So I sort of equate that to what I'm doing. It's a no brainer. It's all set up on the computer. I just have to do a little bit of thinking about picking the right business. But I was able to sort of amass in 20 years just doing this. Now I'm at 68,000 of, of annual dividend income. And you know I don't work for these companies, right? They work for me. And I, I think that's really cool. So what, we, what yeah. you're talking about, just to give some context to the listener here, what you're talking about is you have a group of stocks, and maybe you'll, you'll disclose what those stocks sure. are, that every single month you put 10%, 20%, whatever that number is into those stocks from your 9 to 5 income. You work for a company and they pay, give you a paycheck. And that goes in. And over the course of 20 years, that's now $68,000 a year in basically guaranteed income because it's dividend income paid by these big blue chips. Is that right? Correct. And there's no guarantee that tomorrow the dividends are going to be there. They could cut, you know, the companies could go bankrupt. But my companies have been around since the 1800s, John. Like <laughs> I'm talking about the 1830s. So this is not a fly-by-night MySpace company, right? While there's no guarantees in the stock market, I sleep like a baby at night with the 10 companies which I have, which I can disclose very openly. They're in, they're in my book. I mean, I think I say in my book that combined, my companies are over 1,400 years old. And they are the six big Canadian banks. They are Sun Life, the financial insurance company, Enbridge, you know, big uh, utility company, transporting natural gas and, and oil. And we're also talking about... When you only have 10, you should know them all. Uh, so, like, and telecom. Oh, yeah, telecom. Telecom. So, yeah, Bell and TELUS. And that's it. I remember a lecture once on Warren Buffett who said, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to diversify. You don't have to go crazy. If you had a punch card and I only gave you 10 punches, you know, you would choose those punches really carefully. And if you only got one car for your entire life, you would really look after that car. So I'm not looking to look after 100 companies I really well researched these 10 companies and feel confident. And if, look, I had 11, but Rogers was, was the 11th that it stopped raising its dividend annually. And I just said, screw it, you know? And I took that capital and put it into dividend raisers. And, and just, you know, I stay on top of the annual shareholders meetings and whatnot. And that 68,000, by the way, is next year going to be, be at 75. And the next year with compounding interest, the next year after that, it'll be 90. And the bigger the snowball gets, the larger the dividend income will be. It's unbelievable. So I want to give uh, the listener here some... Just the reason I think this is so critical, because this is like life-changing advice that we're kind of just spewing off here. What we're saying basically is that anybody in the world with a 9 to 5 job, which is most people, can take a certain amount of whatever they can part with, 10%, 5%, 15%, whatever you can part with. Just think about it like, like a tax, right? It's a tax on your future self. And put that into... One of these, it could be a stock in uh, Dividend John's bucket, or it could be some other stock that you research. But even that point, just to be clear, you don't need to be a stock picking genius. Just look for a stock that pays a dividend that's been around for 100 plus years, has a great track record. You know, Boom, there's one of your stocks right there. 
and you just repetitively do this without even thinking. And if you start this when you're 20, 18, start with your first job, 25, whatever it is, long, long, long before you ever get to retirement, and we're talking about even early retirement, you'll be making $60,000, $200,000 a year in close to guaranteed income, almost as guaranteed, maybe even more guaranteed than if you got a pension from your company. So anybody who's retiring and going, oh my goodness, you know, how do I save? How do I, how do I save for the future? This kind of stuff. Anybody could do this. It's 100%. And Kevin O'Leary says it best. Everybody, he says, and I mean everybody, can learn to live on 10% less. And I have to admit, the first time the money came out of my account, I had this like, oh crap, you know, this money's out of my account. But then I had the freak out like abated. And I was like, you know, it's it's going to me in my future. And I actually learned to live on on less. And we can get into how if you want to like start side hustling, whether to make up the, the difference kind of thing. But we're going to get there me, before I even go <laughs> before I even did any side hustling. It was so easy to learn to live on 10, 15, 20 percent less. Can you just share the the quick story of your first or I guess one of your first experiences and kind of losing everything in the market so people know that you weren't born just this this genius how did you first start investing and, and get everything wiped out <laughs> I was uh, at my first job and I'll date myself but whatever it was like the year 2000 I'm in my early 40s now but I was uh, in Hamilton Ontario which is about you know uh, an hour away from Toronto the big city and I had a nine to five and I had a decent salary. At that time, I was making 52400 So for a 20-year-old, you know, hey, I was balling, right? Had my own place, my own uh, leased car, an Acura Integra, silver with tinted windows. And one of my mentors at work said, hey, go see this guy at the big you know, financial tower downtown. He'll set you up, right? He'll help you retire. So I go down, meet with him, and he's in that glass window, beautiful office up top. And I'm, I'm intimidated. He says, this is 1999 or 2000. He says, I'm putting you in tech, all tech. And I said, okay. So yeah, I mean, I don't even remember what these funds were, but I had 30,000 at the time to invest. Uh, I was a saver. You know, I, I had done snow shoveling, grass cutting at cemetery. So I, had a, you know, I was a good saver. So I had amassed that little, old enough, some of your listeners had that little bank book that they would stamp or go through, you know. And uh, he put me all in tech, except for one stock. He did Bank of Montreal. The other was these, I think, open-ended funds or whatever, some tech stocks. Well, we all know what happened in 2000 to 2002. I was completely wiped out, except for Bank of Montreal stock, which which survived. But yeah, it was devastating, and I was really, really depressed because I thought, like, what did you have left in the end? So you started with thirty, and what you had what left? Five like, or like, six. Five or six. Oh, yeah. What a gut punch! What a gut punch early on. Yeah. So that that was your first foray, and then was there a turning point? What was that rock bottom? Was there another rock bottom? No, no that that was that wasn't even rock bottom. Rock bottom was. <laughs> After that happened, I said, no one is going to be able to look after my money the way I can because no one's going to care about it. And who's going to care about five or six grand? These people deal with millions. I'm a, I'm a speck. So what I did was I'm going to do research and I'm going to learn how to chart. I'm going to learn how to swing trade and stock trade. I'm going to learn about oscillators and candlestick patterns because I was smart. So, uh, I, you know, the internet was getting going there. So, but I read books, whatnot on fundamental analysis, technical analysis. And um, let's just say that I invested in in companies where, my gosh, it's like if you wanted to make money, John, you would do the exact opposite of me. The second I would buy a stock, the nanosecond, the price would go down. If I was shorting a stock, then it would start to go up. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. 
to the point where I actually began getting really depressed. I overate, I binged eat, and I said, I got to join a freaking gym. Like, this is ridiculous. And joining a gym is where I met a mentor who saw that I was down. And he said, well, why are you so depressed every day? You're working out. He was just like, yeah, he sort of got me onto dividend investing. He said, you're doing it all wrong. So what you're doing is going to a casino. Go to a casino, have fun. But like, that's not investing, that's gambling. And there's a difference. Amazing. And that that was really your turning point where you said, okay, now I'm going to be investing as a dividend investor. And you kept going with the stock. I mean, up until really, I don't know, two years ago, you were still a recreational options trader, stock picker, this and that. Was that really more for fun? Or were you actually trying to beat the game at that point? So I have a flaw in my personality. And that flaw is when I'm watching YouTube or Facebook and some flashy guy comes on and says... I have a secret that will make you $6,000 in the first six minutes of the market being open from 9.30 to 9.36. There's some like sick part of me that actually believes it. Rather than me saying, if this guy had a thing that would work, he would just do the thing rather than trying to sell me the thing. But John, I have this sick thing that like I feel that there is some secret code up till recently and I would be sucked in, you know, and I would take a small part of you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking a very small amount, nothing that would be detrimental to me and my family, but just a small amount and, and try to create side hustle money from that capital. But when it kept going down, and, and to be honest, you were instrumental, you said, you said, find other ways to make money that don't, you know, involve essentially gambling and the stress, my God, like, how can you do anything else between the hours of the market of 9.30 and 4pm EST? If you're glued to your monitor, checking your phone constantly for the ticker, if it moves up, it just it, it was going to give me a heart attack. So I just said, enough is enough. You were checking those options, man, like 17 times a day. <laughs> you were oh. texting me, oh, it's up, it's, it's down, I'm in the money now, I'm, I'm not in the money. It was like, it was your whole, it was your whole life for a while yeah. there. And I remember Warren Buffett said it quite, quite well, and I really do believe this. He says, nobody, and I mean nobody, knows where a stock price is going to go the next minute, hour, week, month. And he says, anyone who says that they do is either lying or they have inside information, which is illegal. Buffett also said, my name is Warren Buffett and I'm addicted to airplane stocks. And <laughs> if I ever try, just you know, just talk me off the ledge. And every time he's bought airplane stocks, they've done terribly, but he loves them. He loves them. Well, you've just made me feel better because even the great Warren Buffett has an addiction for something that he knows is wrong for him. But he, you know, sometimes he just can't help himself. Yeah. That's it. All right. So that's the dividend piece. You've got the book. It's doing super well. I love that you've done this. You've inspired me to write a book. I haven't started it yet, but I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's noodling in my brain. Let's move on to the, the other really cool stuff. So my sure. background, as everyone knows, is in entrepreneurship. And I've always been somebody... you know. Yes, I play the stock market here and there. I've never made substantial money doing anything like that. I've made quick wins here and there, but then inevitably you lose it. But the way I've always built my money is through businesses. I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always just been a guy who says, you know, if I can pay this and I can sell it for that, I can make a profit of this. And it's just super simple. And I've done that and I've scaled it. And that's how I've, I've always lived. And so you and I would have these conversations and you would tell me, let's, let's talk about the first hustle. So let's, let's talk about the tutoring business. We were at, I think it was a breakfast or a birthday party or something. And you told me this idea. And we're not going to get into it because we, we don't want to identify anything. But it's, it's an online tutoring business. And I heard it and I said, this is a fucking brilliant idea. This is like so good and so niche and so profitable. 
How did you get this idea? And give us the numbers. How how, how is it going now? I can tell you, I used to tutor in the traditional manner. I'd sit across from a student for half an hour. They pay me whatever they paid me. And, you know, I'd be like, you know, packing my afternoons and early evenings with students. I had a mother of a student once call me up and say, we're not coming for a lesson day. We got a snowstorm. And you know what? She said, I'm really stressed out because we've missed lessons because my daughter's been sick. You've been sick. We're getting closer to the big exam and we're not ready. She says, you, teacher, have to think of a better way of doing this. And I, I was like, she caught me off guard. So I, I threw it to her. I said, because she was an entrepreneur herself. I said, well, what do you suggest? And she said, why don't you just create lessons and consider asynchronous learning? And, you know, a little embarrassedly, I didn't know what the word asynchronous meant with respect to education. So I did a really quick, I think, Google search as she was talking to me on the phone. And I realized that, well, I didn't realize anything. I said, let's give it a shot with this one student. I created lectures. I created homework, sent them to her. She sent stuff back to me, lessons. I sent back feedback. All when it was good for me. Sometimes I did it 10.30 at night lying in bed with my wife. Sometimes I did it 6 o'clock in the morning when I was having that morning coffee when the house was quiet. And I realized, oh my goodness, I don't have to give half an hour of my time to this one person. And the time that it took to mark the homework and send back the next lesson was, we're talking cents on the dollar, right? You know, or cents on the hour. It was just like, it was an eye opener. So that's where the asynchronous online education business for me was born out of this wonderful conversation with this parent who, I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll buy her like a condo in Florida one day because as a way of saying thank you. But uh, we, we do actually speak and I'm very grateful and appreciative. How yeah. long have you been doing the online version of this business? Since 2017. Okay. So we're heading into 2023. So about 5 years now. And so yeah, let, let's, let's hear where it is today. So I did my 2022 numbers, not obviously finished the year, but pretty darn close. So I'm at a revenue of 110,000 Canadian, net profit 101,000, which is a 92% margin, which is... Sorry, what what was that first number again? What was the revenue again? 110K. And then the profit is? 101. (sighs) Unreal. Thank you, because my ad spend is 9K, and that's that's where my costs are. And what sort of beefs up the 110, to be honest with you, is that 40 of my 60 students are from the US. So I'm benefiting from the beautiful exchange rate right now. Yeah, I love that. And that that's something I don't really talk about it that much. But when you have a business based in Canada and you are selling into the US or even Europe, by the way, England, UK you get that amazing FX benefit. So that's a really cool part of it too. And one thing I just want to throw in, like a good buddy of mine who has a real estate business down in Florida who's based in Canada, he shared with me that you can also like do little tricks and stuff to uh, avoid getting dinged with exchange rate. What I was doing was I was having people pay me into my bank and my, you know, my Canadian bank, God bless them. They kind of just destroy me on the exchange rate. So he turned me on to uh, Zelle. I don't know if it's pronounced Zelle or Zelly, but basically, you know, when... Someone pays me by Zelle through my. I have a, an American bank set up in Chicago, which is uh, CIBC, which is you know where I bank here in Canada. But then from there, I send it to Wise, and then Wise takes such a fraction, like a, a minuscule amount, and essentially it's just the best way that I found to sort of work out. Then if I want to exchange to Canadian, not getting dinged on on the sort of the exchange from US to CAD with the Canadian banks. 
Smart. Keep every dollar for yourself. Okay, so let's just finish up on this. So you've got a side hustle, one side hustle here, and this isn't your only one, that is making over $100,000 a year in profit. And how many hours a week do you spend on it? Including sales meetings. Do you want to include that? Yeah, yeah sure. I'm going to say 7 to 8 hours max. 7 to 8 hours a week. And if you take out the sales meetings... 3 and a half to 4. Okay. So somewhere between 3 and 7 hours. And if you wanted to have another salesman work for you, if you felt like doing that down the line, it would take that time down. And you could also, frankly, outsource the tutoring itself if you wanted to. But again, you don't need to do that. This works very well if you're doing it as well. At this moment, 100%. I've actually spoken to tutors who I could outsource to. I know what their going rates are. I know how I can still be profitable with them. The funny thing is, at this moment, like with the asynchronous way that I'm doing this, I have capacity to increase the number of students and it's not going to impede on, on my life in any way mm-hmm. for, the next, for the foreseeable. But uh, yeah, like I do want to scale. I want to be 10x from where I am. Yeah. And that will involve definitely working um, on the business, not in the business. And so the only you mentioned that the, the 9,000, that's just for ads. So are you running on Google, Facebook? How are you acquiring customers? I tried Facebook, didn't work for me. So it's paid Google ads. Pay Google Ads, which I'm assuming you have, you outsource that to another freelancer. I do outsource that to another freelancer, and I sort of include that in the in the nine k. I found someone very reasonable on Fiverr, almost too reasonable, but he's just excellent at what he does. Like sometimes, you know, you have this thing where like you're you don't pay what you think you should be paying, so you wonder about the quality of the work. But I don't know, like I, I'm seeing the constant flow of leads hitting my inbox. I'm converting those leads to sales at a rate of around like. 88 to 90 percent. So I'm I'm really pleased thus far. 88 to 90 percent. And what is your, if you know it, what's your customer acquisition cost? So 150 it, bucks. 150 bucks it costs you to acquire a customer that's through ad spend. And the average customer is paying you what? 1500 CAD or 1500 US. Okay. So it depends and where I, the I should, I should up that. I know. You should you should definitely up that. Yeah. <laughs> new year, new price. But that's amazing. So you're acquiring for 150 bucks, and you are charging them 10 times that, 1500 and potentially more if they're a, a US-based customer. Amazing. You are doing this. You are making more money at that one 7-hour-a-week side hustle than most people make in their 9-to-5 jobs. I love it. Thanks. Let's go on to the next. What's your next biggest moneymaker? Next biggest moneymaker. I am a licensed wedding officiant. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I love people. I love love. I know it sounds corny, but it's like I've always been good. You know, I was the guy who like couples would call when things were breaking down. I'd give dating advice, relationship advice. I love being around that type of thing. And I kind of sort of felt like people would say to me, You should go into social work, you know, or or marriage counseling. I said, nah, nah, it's not not really my my jam. But yeah, I, I came across this dude at a party and he's like, yeah, it's my side hustle. Like he, he was going to parks to meet couples and marry them under a tree in the summer and getting cash for it. I'm like, and this guy has sort of an objectionable personality. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm affable. People like me. I can do this. And, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, I got my license. The bureaucracy wasn't that difficult. And I'm Did doing... Did you get certified on- online these days? Perhaps in the U.S., I don't know how how it is there, but in Canada, it's, you know, it's a little bit. You need, you do need some sort of governing body, whether it's a church or a synagogue, to write a letter of endorsement. You do have to be in some way connected 
to a congregation. Doesn't have to be a full as a full-time employee. You could be on the books doing something like an out of the cold program for them. You know, it's some, something that you're connected that they would be able to say, hey, this person, this guy, this gal, you know, they're stand-up. They do some work here. We recommend them. And basically I had a letter of endorsement and I started doing this, gosh, about 2010. And it's a constant source of revenue. It's, you know, doing it throughout, you know, 10 plus years. It's not really, you don't have to pay for customers. It's really word of mouth. It's organic. It's through Instagram. How Um, many weddings do you do a year? The last two years I've averaged, I mean, COVID was a little bit of a weird anomaly, but if we sort of exclude the worst part of COVID, although I did still do revenue in backyards and whatnot, but 30 weddings a year at uh, $1,300 a pop. So that's 40K. 40K. And it's taken you like an hour and a half or something to, you know, including the commute, that kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say there's that initial sales meeting where a couple will give me a, a call and want to set up a Zoom. So you spend 20 minutes. It's to make sure that they feel comfortable with you, that you understand their vision of their ceremony. Uh, but beyond that, there's just sort of email text communication leading up to the big day. I do not do go to rehearsals. I will have a call or a Zoom with them to block through point A to point Z of what they can expect on the big day. Uh, but that's a 20-minute call. And then just show up Yeah, right before the event, you know, 15, 20 minutes before. And it's a half hour of my time when I'm actually doing the ceremony. And then I leave. I don't stay for the meal or anything. <laughs> This is this is great. So you're making 40k, and this is I'm guessing a Saturday Sunday kind of thing, and and you're yeah. you're doing that, and you've been doing it for a number of years, and it's all word of mouth. And I'd imagine when somebody reaches out to you for this, it's got to be close to a hundred percent conversion rate, right? It really is because they're coming from I saw you at a wedding last year. You were awesome. Or my wedding planner says I should give you a call. You know, you're getting that endorsement, and and I have to say the social proof component of whether it's the online education business or this business, is so huge. Like I'm really big on having that banner of Google reviews as part of my both my websites. And I even, you know, I got this from Alex Ramosi, who said that when you get a an inbound, is it inbound when someone sends you a an inquiry? Yes. When I reply, my reply should actually have three of my reviews as part of the reply template. So they they see like, okay, this guy's legit, you know, and they're recent reviews. It puts it in their mind. Like I like that story about Alex Hermosi when he was doing the gyms. Like he'd have people he was trying to sell memberships to in his office, and behind him on the wall, he had review after review. Like he just like bombarded them with social proof. That was awesome. Printing out, absolutely. Print out reviews. Put them all over your walls. If you have a physical facility, if you have a website, testimonials, case studies. Those are the number one sellers. If you are building a website, doesn't need to be fancy. You've got to have. Here's what I do. Here's a bunch of times of me doing it. And here's all the people I've done it for. That's, that's all you need to sell. Quick break here while I tell you about something really exciting I've been working on called the Business Essentials Kit. Here's the deal. I get asked all the time, John, how do you run your business effectively? What's the best way to build a website? How do I get a branded email? How do I save on legal fees? How do I manage my social media? So what I've done is I put a kit together for you for free. You can download it at johndavids.com with all the tools and services that I use to run my business. Get it right now for free at johndavids.com. All right, we, we've gone through... So let's just rack this up. So you've got your 9 to 5, which pays you a nice salary. You've six got, figures plus, yeah. Six figures plus now, but you didn't always have that. that that's sort of... I mean, it's that, more recent thing, yeah. Yeah, you grew, you grew to that. So you have a six-figure salary because you are a very... Um, you know, you're a well-trained professional. You've got the tutoring business. You are a wedding efficient, 
any other big bucket or other, and of course, I'm sorry, the dividend income, of course, those were all the big buckets, right? Right. And then the most recent bucket, honestly, is the, the book launch and the book sales. Like I, you know, I have this, I don't have a huge following on Twitter by, by comparable standards. Like I've got 4,000 followers, but you know, the riches are in the niches, right? Like I'm in div twit, dividend Twitter. So these are 4,000 people who I'm sorry to say, like, I don't sound arrogant, but they look up to me. Like I'm, I'm perhaps one of the older people of this community in the early 40s. Like these are people in their 20s and, and they want what I have. So I have a captive audience and I am getting posts of people with their Christmas tree with my book under it saying, God bless you. This is making an awesome present. I'm going to teach my daughter how to invest in dividend stocks. So get this. So my book launched December 4th of this year. I've sold 555 books thus far. That represents $9,400 in revenue. We're haven't recording even, this December 23rd, 2022. Right. Haven't even done a month of sales yet. And I just started promoting on TikTok. I've never even been on TikTok, but learned how to play around with it a little bit. And I'm, I've noticed that when I posted TikTok and I have like 700 views on, on one of them, which is not a lot by some standards, I realize that, but I do notice a spike in book sales in the 24 hours right after a TikTok drops. We'll talk after this about TikTok ads because we do a ton of them. And uh, they're, yeah, great, great bang for your buck. Let's give people, there's more I want to talk about, but let's just give a couple nuggets, whether it's from your dividend income, your side hustle work. What would you say to somebody who's on the younger side now? Maybe they're 17, 18, maybe they're entrepreneurial, so they're, they want to make their, their mark in the entrepreneurial world. But what are, what are a couple things you would say, whether it's things that you learned that helped you start a business or things that you learned that helped you start to save money or invest money better? What are some nuggets you can share? What I would say is, and I'm a firm believer in this, John, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but everyone, and I mean everyone, has something special about them that they can monetize. 100%. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I know someone who is a beautiful artist and their art adorns their home. And, and I said to her, like, what about maybe selling this stuff like on Etsy? And she was like, what? No, I suck. And uh, no, you actually don't suck. And her thing was like wine art, you know, thing with corks and, and wine driblets and whatever. This person is now doing 40K in revenue annually as a side hustle. So I guess my point is everyone has something that makes them unique and special. Just dig deep and find a way to put that out in the world. And today with the gig economy, like you can you can share your knowledge and expertise on Fiverr, Upwork, wherever people will pay you for your expertise, for your talent. That's one thing I would share. That's great. I'm going to add on to that because I think that's gold. I did an episode a little while ago about my sister who's got a dog walking business. And it's a good example, which I'll, I'll break down for you. So a dog walking business, you walk a certain number of dogs. Let's say she walks 8 dogs a day at 25 bucks a pop. She makes a certain amount of money doing that, a couple hundred bucks a day. And then the podcast episode that I did was I had a conversation with her and she has this friend who owns a farm and she has the ability to take these dogs to a farm. And I said, why don't you drop the dog walking business and make the farm, the doggy farm, your entire business, charge people 100 bucks or 120 bucks a day for a day at the farm, round trip transportation, 15, 20 dogs a day. You make thousands and thousands of dollars a day. And you could take this exact same time you're spending, exact same skill set, which is that you love dogs and you take good care of dogs. And you're putting a really, really smart business model behind it, much smarter. So it's A, figuring out that talent. And then B, what is the highest and best use of this skill? Well said. 
Well said. Drop yeah. some fire, man. <laughs> I oh. want I want people to do well. And I love, you know, when you share that story about how, you know, you as a painter and now they're making 40,000 bucks, like that's amazing. And I want to hear the next version where they're making 400,000 bucks because they figured out something. Else. And by the way, not because they're working longer hours or working harder, they just made one switch. And all of a sudden it was like, ah, oh, this huge unlock. And there's all those unlocks out there. And if you look at businesses that do incredibly well, it's not because their ideas are so brilliant or because their genius is behind them. It's because they just figured out the perfect combination, those mechanics of if I do this and this and this. Listen, man, great example is your online tutoring business. You know, you were doing in-person lessons and it was actually a big problem that led you to a way better business. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Solving problems for people, pain points. It sounds cliche when we when we say when I say it out loud, but it, it's it's just so true. And I used to think an entrepreneur meant I had to come up with an invention. Like I remember one time I was I noticed that you know it was that my brother got dinged in the face by one of those latches on those gates at school, and he had to have stitches in his cheek. So I thought, what if I could find a manufacturer in China who could create a latch that instead of was horizontal was vertical, so that the the protruding part didn't protrude. But then it's like I drove myself trying to find it, like source it in China, talk, speak to people over there, and you know. I, then my buddy said, "Well, something like that already exists at Lowe's. You're wasting." And I was so dejected, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm never going to be like smart enough or brilliant enough to create something new." But like we said, it can literally be finding something that's already in the marketplace and doing it better, faster, cheaper, and solving a problem that that you know. You don't need to be a genius. Every yeah. every business that I've ever had that I've done well with was like me doing something just a little better than somebody else or doing it the exact same as somebody else, but having my cost structure be lower so that I could do it more profitably. And, and that, that's what it's all about. So you, Johnny Boy, are a great ideas guy. You've always got ideas. I want to hear some ideas, but I actually want to... I just thought of this. I want to hear some side hustles that you thought of because you'll text me every now and then and it's like, Hey, I just made X dollars doing this. And it's like something totally different. Give me some of the side hustles that you actually have done, let's say, in the last year or two that maybe you dropped because you know you can only do so much at a time, but you think are actually really good ideas. Now, I had a conversation with a real estate agent friend of mine. okay, And I got him a lead, right? And the lead converted really quickly. And I got a referral fee, commission, whatever you want to call it. And it was, it was a decent chunk of change for me essentially picking up a phone and making a 20-second phone call. And I said to myself, and I said to you, John, like, this is ridiculous, man. Like, we got to find a way somehow to, to amp this up. So I said, like, couldn't, couldn't we sort of have a referral business or a landing page where in some way, we could drive leads to agents. Is there a way that I can be proactive advertising that I'm sort of like this intermediary between sellers of homes and agents who sometimes get a bad rap for being aggressive, salesperson-like? So I kind of thought, like, what if I could be like this, this calm, fair person who would broker deals and, and get paid for that? And you know, I'm still open to like how, how would I be able to sort of source these leads before they hit the market and sort of bring them to agents who would who would pay me handsomely for that information. And you did this one time, right? I did it more than one time. I did it a few times, but I think to be honest, if I'm being honest, it was more luck. These opportunities fell in my lap by having conversations with people. I'm I'm a social person. So when I'm at a party and someone's saying, Oh, my my great aunt is moving into a retirement home. 
I'm proactive and say, oh, you have an agent? And they're like, yeah, there's been a couple door knockers. I said, no, 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 forget these door knockers who are randos. I know someone who's in the business who's working in your general area. I know this person for 20 years, honest. You know, he'll paint your house before you sell it. He'll stage it, this and that. He might even buy you a flat screen TV as a present type thing. They're like, okay, I'll have a sit down, right? So I sort of, I opened doors a few times, but the return on investment in terms of my time of making these setups was was tremendous. Can you share a number? What was the commission? On one deal. Uh, so, yeah, the commission on each one, well, it was sort of like a percentage of the, the sale of the home. So one was five grand, uh, one was 7,500, one was wow. uh, 8,200. 8, um, yeah, but you know, it, then it went dry because I haven't had conversations with people organically who are looking to sell. So but this is super high ticket. I mean, you make one sale and it's five, six, seven, eight grand in your pocket. So Really, really high tech. Okay, so let, let me share two ideas. And these are ideas I'm going to share freely because I, I would love someone else to do it. You know, <laughs> we, we got enough on our plate, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. So two ideas here. Number one would be to start a blog. So it, take, real estate's a great one because it's, it's very high ticket. Start a real estate blog. Literally, if, I don't care if you know anything about real estate. You start a blog, you create a nice WordPress website, you put out daily or weekly articles, as many as you can. All you got to do is write them. You can use even chat GPT to write them for you if you want, or maybe tweak them up from there. And you work on that blog, drive traffic to it through search engine optimization, Facebook posts, Twitter, TikTok, however you get traffic there. A big way if you if you got your SEO skills are going to be to use SEO to do it. And it's a great opportunity to learn if you're somebody young, learn search engine optimization. It's a very, very powerful skill to have. You can build big businesses with it. Start that blog. And then at the end of every article, you have a call to action, join our mailing list. And then at that point, you simply have a constant flow of, hey, when you're looking to buy a home, when you're ready to buy a home, when you're ready to think about renting a home, come to us. And that's how you could capture leads that you then just hand off to agents. And that would be sort of the kernel of the business. And if that worked, there is so much more you could do with it. You could actually sell listings to agents. They could advertise on the site. You could sell home insurance and and painters and renovators. So I would say something as simple as a blog or a newsletter on this subject would be a phenomenal way to gather those leads. And it's an opportunity that anybody could run with. And one more thing on that, you could localize it. So you could have a blog just for homes in Ohio, right? Mm-hmm. A blog just for homes in Edmonton. And it's it's something where you can do this out of your bedroom and literally build a business. Just like Johnny Boy said, five grand a pop, you make one referral a month that actually converts at 60 grand a year from a blog. So what do you That's think of that? Salary, right? It's a salary. It's a salary. And let's say you, you had your nine to five and you don't want to take this on fully. How much of what you just suggested, suggested could be outsourced? <laughs> 95% of it. <laughs> how, how awesome is that? What a world are we living in? How incredible we are that we could outsource that and still be incredibly profitable. You could outsource the development of the website, outsource the search engine optimization or the ads or the social, outsource the writing if you want to, and literally you just bring it all together and you own it. And it's it's that simple. So I love that. And then the easier version, or I shouldn't say easier, the different version of that would be to forego the blog, just build a landing page, go hard on SEO, and just try to rank as high as you can on search for when someone's buying a home and get get super granular with the words so like if you're if you're looking to purchase a home in in Calgary this is the website for you if you're looking to purchase a home in Beverly Hills this is the website for you 
and use imagery of the local landmarks and make it look trustworthy. And all those leads, you just hand off to somebody else. That's a really straightforward business that anybody could run. And you would learn a lot along the way. I love that. How would you track the lead conversion to sales? You would have relationships. You'd have a handful of agents you work with. And you would hand people that you trust. Maybe you've known them for a while. You bring them into the mix. Say, Hey, here's what I'm doing if you want to be a part of this. And then you would hand off those leads, hand off three, four leads to one agent. You know, you could track somehow through the you know MLS listings or whatnot. Right. Put it this way: if they lie to you one time, they lose a major lead source. So they're, they're, it's not in their best interest to, to lie to you. Right, right. And I can see this having like you could be you know you can niche down to like Ohio, and then if sort of this model goes well, there's no reason why you can't sort of build it up for St. Louis or for Miami. Like you could just keep repeating, repeating, repeating. Ohio West End apartments. Go as granular as you can. You know what I mean? Right. I love that. Okay, real estate's a really big one. Any other sort of interesting side hustle ideas that you've been toying with in your head? You know, not really. I I would say that I wonder if there's a market for what I have in mind. I wonder if there's a market because I'm the successful dividend investor now. And I'm I'm an author, a published author with, with getting some really good acclaim. What about a a course that I could run where I could come into businesses whereby there must be CEOs, CFOs who do not want to offer a company pension and they would love a guy like me to come in and speak to their hundreds of employees or their 30 employees and teach them how to create their own pension so they're not dependent on a company pension. I would be saving a lot of aggravation to you know, churn at these companies, obviously, Companies would not have to even entertain the idea of a company pension if the culture of the company was such that, okay, this guy came in, he taught us how to create our pension, how to become uber wealthy by the time we retire. Is there a market for me to essentially taking everything that I've compiled in this book, creating a course, whether it's you know an online version or I do have sort of envisions of visions of like whether it's semi-retirement of me actually going in half day to a company and speaking. I, I love public speaking. So this is something that I could really find myself enjoying and, and not be actually a drain on my time, but actually enjoyable. But I also want to also have the ability to remove myself from the business and create a completely course where I hand it to you, you run with it at, at your company, and you teach your employees through my course how to create their own free money salary. Johnny boy, you're making me weak in the knees. This is too good. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> this is too good. All right. Let me let me let me unpack this. So a course. So your value proposition is you're going to help large or medium-sized companies. Let's let's just say they have 150 employees. Yeah. You're going to go in there and you're going to say, Hey, CEO, you don't offer a pension. A lot of your employees are working there maybe 20, 30 years. They're going to retire at some point. I will bring in a course. It's in-person for one session. And then it's an online course. They can do asynchronous at their own pace. It'll teach them how to save for their own retirement in a proven way. This is the Dividend John method. I've, I've done this. I've proven it. I'm a published author. I'm an expert in this space. This is my course. The company pays for it based on the number of seats. So let's say let's say you want uh, 20 people to take this course. Maybe they offer it to everybody over the age of 50 or everybody over the age of 30, whatever that benchmark is, or every employee has access to it. They pay 300 bucks per seat. And... For that, they get one in-person session, and that could be in-person or just virtual live session. And then they get access for a year at a time to your modules of here's everything you need to know about 
dividend investing, and we can automate it with the paycheck because we're integrated with the payroll system. We could automate it for you. And it's just a completely turnkey educational solution. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it's by the seat or sort of like a flat rate of 10K for the appearance type thing, but that gets, it gets them access to, like you say, my course for the year. You got to do by seat because if it's a company with 100 employees or 10,000 employees, they're not paying the same thing. Fair enough. Right. But do you think as a, as a CEO yourself, it would solve a problem of having an employee uprising of terms of why don't we have a pension here? Like, is there merit in what I'm suggesting? Oh, 100%. I'll, I'll tell you why. I've actually thought about this in the past. As a CEO, as an entrepreneur, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs who think like me. That's what makes them entrepreneurs. It bugs me that people don't have the basic, simple knowledge of how to save and thrive in their retirement. You know, someone like you who has learned this knowledge, has acquired this knowledge, and now lives by this knowledge, it's like you're not a genius in this respect. You're not some special person who just has access to something that no one else has. So everybody should have this. This should be totally democratized. And as an entrepreneur, as someone who is financially free, I feel like everybody should have financial freedom. And so most companies, and I don't know this for sure, but in a lot of companies, I don't think offer lifetime pensions unless you're part of the government. So I think that it's something that would be a modern version of a pension, which is self-empowerment. You're doing this. This is under your control. We're here to enable it for you. We're going to make it as simple as possible. And hey, by the way, when you have a company-issued pension, you're paying into that every month anyhow. So this is your version of it. You're going to pay into yourself. If you want to pay 10% to yourself, great. If you want to pay 20% to your future self, that's fine too. And we're going to enable you with all the learning that you need to make that happen. And we're going to cover that cost. I think that's a, an amazing product. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I see merit in a big time. Like, And you're right. I am not creating this stuff. Why would someone want to listen to you know, Dividend John? What they would want to listen to is a guy called Dividend John, who studied hundreds of hours of Warren Buffett, has implemented the teachings of Ben Graham, and actually has the proof. I mean, I, I can I can open up my <laughs> my brokerage and and show anyone who wants to see that I'm not BSing that it's the proof is, is there. And I sort of equate it to like as an entrepreneur, and you, you probably don't want to issue dividends because you want to put that money back into your company so you can grow and scale. And I totally get that. But what I'm doing is I'm enabling your employees. It's like giving them special dividends type thing because they're taking money that they're earning and they're creating something from their salary, which will keep them and their families safe and secure well beyond they stop working for you. Well, it's it's an adjacent... I, I get what you're saying because this is not dividend investing per se, but it is in the sense that your strategy revolves around taking a piece of your earned income, which for most people is their salary, and investing a portion of that in stocks, securities that will pay a dividend. Like That, in essence, is the mantra that you're teaching. And so you are perfectly equipped to be teaching that. And this could be another brand. You could call it, you know, whatever, 9 to 5 Freedom or whatever that brand right. is called, the education brand. But I, I love this. I think this is awesome, man. I think that's actually a, a phenomenal business. And you. you already have an online tutorial business. So you, you know how to build that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I guess the, the drill down is like, how niche do I want to go? Like, do I want to sort of target X amount size companies in the St. Louis area type thing? Or can I offer this sort of like across the United States 
and being online, I guess it's sort of limitless and boundless, which which is kind of good. The go-to market that I'd pick if I were you is I'd pick one niche because you want to start with a community. So maybe it's like... This is not a good example, but maybe it's like the San Francisco tech community. But pr- probably not them. Probably more of something like the the automotive community in Detroit or something like that. Pick a community and that way it sort of grows outward from there. And, and that way, at least from an advertising and sales standpoint, you can target one, one bunch of people. But it's such a simple implementation that it's like, hey, you know, you can, you can fork up $5,000 and you're going to get a whole bunch of goodwill with your employees because they're going to get all this from you. It's not mandatory. You don't have to... No, no one has to do it. But it's there for you to set your own financial future. I love it. And that's awesome. Thank you. I'm excited. Um, now, now I know what I'm doing in 2023, building out a course. <laughs> That's great. Okay, man, we have covered so much. So I think the takeaway for me, and you can tell me your takeaway, the takeaway for me, if I'm, if I'm a listener on this, I want to know, I want to leave with a couple of things. A, if you are a nine to five employee, you should absolutely be saving for your future and you don't have to be a genius or a rocket scientist to do it. You can live a very comfortable life when you're you're in your early 40s. So when you're in your early 40s, to have $68,000 a year in dividend income, income that in pass, totally passive income is an amazing thing. So at the very least, you should all be financially free in the next 20 years. That's number one. Number two, working a 9 to 5 job, you've got three side hustles. I think three, maybe four. Who knows how many at this point that, you, that are pulling in six figures in total, in fact, one of them is pulling in more than six figures, and the others are are pulling in a good hefty chunk of change. And you're doing that in a matter of three, four, five, six, seven hours a week. It's not a full time thing. In fact, you could leave your nine to five job; you would still be an incredibly high earner. So that's that's another takeaway here. Let me ask you: At what point are you going to leave your nine to five job, or do you ever plan to do that? I got to be honest, John. I think about it every day. Right? I wonder if I wasn't doing the nine to five. I could totally crank up blog writing, tweets, all all presence on social media. I mean, it's like Alex Ramosi says, if you 10x the volume of production of what you put out, you'll see the return. Now, granted, it has to be quality stuff. But I'm operating from a little bit of fear. Like, I'm able to do all this while doing the 9 to 5. So I wonder, if I give up the 9 to 5, will I be able to replace the income from my current 9 to 5 and then some with the entrepreneurial stuff. I know it's my own sort of fear center talking, and I'll never know unless I try. But if you have any advice on that, go for it. I give you advice all the time. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> you don't need to be there. Let me, let me ask you this. Is there any danger financially to you or your family if you leave the 9 to 5 and for one year, you don't increase your side hustle income at all? Like If you just lost the 9 to 5 income, is there any danger at that point? Danger in terms of losing the house, stuff like that. No, can't feed your kids, anything like that. No, no. I mean, it would. You can sort of figure out, you know, after taxes, what what sort of a six figure salary brings brings in. But I do tell myself I could probably make that up and then some if I would go a little bit more all in with the uh, online education piece. I Dude, if you, yeah. you you're at, you're at forty students now. You said on the sixty, on the, 60 now. 60, okay, you could double if you if you put eight hours a day for three months into that, could you not double or triple that number? I mean, I'd have to increase ad spend, but yeah, probably. <laughs> so so take, take ad spend from 9,000 to 18,000 out yeah. of your 110,000 pie. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. ultimately, and this, this is what I, I actually feel about this, 
when you have nothing to do, when you have idle hands, you will find something productive. I'm, I'm talking about you now because I know you, Johnny mm-hmm. Boy. You will find something to do that will be productive and financially beneficial on one of these businesses within a year. I mean, and when I say within a year, I mean you, you'll be working a lot, you know, throughout that year. But give yourself six months, and you'll look back and go, "Oh my goodness, I created X number of additional income. I'm not sure exactly how I got here, but I figured it out." So yes, my recommendation to you for 2023 would be seriously consider giving up that job because you will have way more income coming in on the side. I think you'll be happier. But having said all that, if it's not bugging you, then forget everything I'm saying. It's, yeah, I, I'm not going to forget everything you're saying. What you're saying makes a lot of sense and it really resonates. I'm going to think on it. Okay, man. This was so good. Any, any parting words? You want to plug anything? Parting words, I will just say to people like, guys, like, about the dividend stuff, really just get started. I know in the beginning, it doesn't seem like much because the snowball hasn't accrued, it hasn't built up yet, but it happens so fast. Time goes by anyway, right? We have no control of that. Let's use time and math, which is equal based on, it doesn't matter what you look like, your ability, disability, race, religion, color, or gender, it doesn't matter. Math exists. Einstein said that compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It's going to happen. So just get some money in the market. If you feel like, oh, my salary is is now 10% less, I'm living on less, use your innate God-given abilities or Darwinian abilities, whatever you want to call it, and side hustle your way to make up that 10%. You'll find that you'll make up that 10% and then some. You'll be further ahead. And what do I want to plug? I want to plug my book, obviously. Too Rich to be Stressed, Freedom with Dividend Investing. You can find it on Amazon. I outsource it to be recorded on Audible in the new year. It's already Kindle paperback, goes to anywhere in the world. I have orders from China, from Paraguay, from Italy, a lot of sales in US and Canada, thank goodness. And John, I want to thank you for what you're doing for the entrepreneurial world as well. You're fantastic. Thank you, man. And let's get to Twitter one more time. Twitter is Dividend John, and it's Johnny Boy 1853 And no, that's not my uh, bank code, so don't try it. <laughs> This is John Davids. You can get me everywhere as well. JohnDavids.com. We'll talk to you guys next time.